All right. Well, it's great to be with you this morning, and it's great to know that no matter what is going on in the world, God is in control. And those songs were a big encouragement to me this morning, and I trust they were for you as well. Well, as you know, we have been going through the Hall of Faith, and so now we are going to uh, embark upon the life of Abraham. And I'm not going to cover the whole thing today because you guys would get hungry on me and zone out. So, we're just going to focus primarily on the call of Abraham. But before we uh, get into the Genesis passage, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, 8. Let's see here. Should know my books of the Bible by now. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should... Uh, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. Let's open in order of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you as weak individuals, as frail individuals, but as also as Holy Spirit-filled individuals. And we ask that today your Holy Spirit would have free course on the things that we will discuss and that you will be glorified um, through the words uh, that I speak this morning, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, O Lord, my Redeemer. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, so we're going to basically be looking at the whole uh, chapter of Genesis chapter 12, I do believe. Let me double check here. Yes. So... Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 20, so the whole chapter. And uh, we're going to begin with my first point about the call of Abraham, which is God called and Abram went. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land which I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old, when he departed Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance and uh, that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, 
And they went forth into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto a place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Morah, and the, and the Canaanite was in the land. Okay, so in this first part, we have Abram called by God. God says, get out of your country and from your kindred. Unto a land that I will show you. Now, Abraham, or Abram, could have at this point said, God, okay, lay out the plan for me. Show me where it is that you want me to go, and I will go there. And this is often the approach that we take. And it is not uh, a bad approach in and of itself. However, often God will have us obey first, and he will answer questions later, if at all. When I think about this, I think about Job, who was a righteous man, who eschewed evil, and there was none on the earth like him. This is God's testimony of Job. This is not a man's testimony of Job. This is God's testimony of Job. And yet, as Job went through all the trials that he did, I don't think God ever allowed him, I could be wrong, but I don't think God ever allowed him to read the first few chapters of Job. At least, as far as we know, on this earth, Job never found out exactly why God did what he did. But Job trusted God. And even in the case where Job did not trust God, or when he was getting a little self-righteous, and he put his hand over his mouth and was humbled before God, God still said he was more righteous than his friends. So I bring that up just as an example Another example of the type of man that Abram was. And so God tells Abram to get out of the land where he had gone and says, I will make of you a great nation. Um, And I will bless thee and make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then it says that Abram checked his GPS and uh, planned for three months and then left. No, it doesn't. It says, so Abram departed. So one of the first points I want to make to you today, and I I make it to myself as well, is are you obeying what you know God has asked you to do? I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, sometimes I want God to give me further direction, and I'm not being faithful to the things that He already has given me to do. He can't give us further direction until we are faithful to what we know to be true. And so for Abram, that meant departing. And he took everything he had and he left his family. Now I want to bring up a point, and this may be controversial. I'd love to discuss it after the meeting, at the meal. So if you want to hunt me down... Uh, go ahead. But 
It says that he brought everything with him that he owned and got away from his kindred. But he took Lot. Now there was a big uh, fiasco between Lot's men and Abram's men, which we'll get to at a later message. And I wonder if maybe Abram kind of paid a little bit of a penalty for taking Lot with him. Because God told Abram to get away from your country and your kindred unto a land that I will show you. Now, I'm not saying that's the gospel truth, but that has been on my mind every time I've read this passage in recent years. So I just throw that out there for your consideration. Um, and so he, call, he takes everything and leaves. And he has no idea where he's going. Now in our modern understanding of that, we say, well, if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. But God promised that he would show Abram where it was he was supposed to go. And this type of faith humbles me. I remember when I made the decision back in 2009 to leave Guiding Light Mission and to focus primarily on my ministry. And I, w I was scared because I, I liked the security of having those checks come twice a month from Guiding Light. And knowing that I had a job to go to every uh, every week. And suddenly I was in the thick of it trusting God to give me what only He could. And in some ways it's still a struggle because I'm not in, in some ways where I would like to be financially. But I know at the end of the day that I can put my pillow or my head on the pillow and know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And whatever else He has for me will come out of my willingness to be obedient in this thing. And He is working. I've been very blessed in the last couple of years especially with what the doors that God has opened. And I believe that I can trust Him um, to continue to bless. So, he, he comes in to Canaan and the Canaanite was then in the land. Now, that would be a scary prospect. God tells you to go and He'll be with you and then there's these enemies that are in your way. But as we'll see, God gave Abram favor with his enemies on multiple occasions and protected Abram even when he was unfaithful to God. I just want to... If somebody could look up Galatians 3, 13, and 14 as a cross-reference to this first point of obedience to God, Galatians 3, 13, and 14, if somebody would be willing to read that for us. Christ 
Alright, and this kind of goes back to the beginning of the chapter in the first few verses where he says, And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee all the families of the earth will be blessed. Why is this? Because the, the, the nation of Israel came from the line of Abraham and Jesus Christ came from the line of Judah. He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So we know that Abram's seed blessed all of us when God sent Jesus through it to redeem us. So what a blessing that is. And then I have this quote and a little bit of a poem here to end this point. It says, The cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of of disobedience. And then this poem says by Richard Baxter, Lord, it belongs not to, to, to my care whether I die or live. To love and serve thee is my share, and this and this thy grace must give. If life be long, I will be glad that I may long obey. If short yet, why should I be sad to soar to endless day? Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. He that to God's kingdom comes must enter by the door. And I just want to underscore to you, again, the cost of obedience is nothing compared with the cost of disobedience. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. And he turned the other way and tried to hide from God and God sent a storm and then he sent a big whale to swallow Jonah. And Jonah spent three days in the belly of a whale and cried out to God and God delivered him. But do you think maybe Jonah was thinking he might have avoided this whole whale issue if he had just done the right thing the first time? Alright. Then the second point. God gives Abram some details. Now he doesn't... Uh, 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 you know, unfold the whole process, but in this next section, in Genesis 12, 7-10, we see that God does fill in some of the blanks. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Uh, and in this particular instance, we, we again see that just because you follow God's will for your life does not mean things will be smooth sailing. I think a lot of times in our, in our presentation of the gospel, we say, uh, God will solve all your problems. Jesus will take all your cares away. And there's a lot of truth in those statements. Because every answer to any problem that you have is found in the Word of God. But sometimes, 
when it comes to pain and suffering and trials, God's main objective is not to lead you from it, but to walk with you through it. I have certainly found this in my own life, that the, the physical trials that I have gone through have drawn me closer to God. Because when you can't even get out of bed in the morning by yourself, you realize how dependent you really are. When you need help to do the everyday things of life, you realize that we need each other. And the truth is we all need each other, but I am grateful that God has seen fit to give me a visible reminder of my need. Because even with that, I still forget. And sometimes God has to cause my wheelchair to break down to remind me. In the summer of 2004, I was working at a Bible camp. And I was three days away from going away to Bible camp. And I was excited because I was going to be there for two and a half weeks. And my my uh, time there and my responsibilities were expanding. And three days before I left, my wheelchair broke down. So now I'm going to a camp to serve others. And I can't even get around the camp by myself. But I learned that summer that being humble enough to be served is as much a lesson as it is to be humble enough to serve. And I made some really close friendships that I probably wouldn't have that summer if it hadn't been for the fact that I needed the extra help. And I learned that I am not all that and that God can work through me no matter what happens. Because it's God that worketh in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Not my own strength. So God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you all this. And Abram builds an altar to the Lord. We could call this a high point in Abram's life. He's responded correctly to God so far. And uh, it's such uh, an inspiration to us. But in a few moments as we discuss the third point, we're going to see how the highs that we go through in life, if we are not careful, can leave us us susceptible to some pretty uh, powerful temptations. If somebody could read Hebrews 11, 13, and 14. Continuing to think about God's promises to Abraham. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a holy land. Yep. Okay, so we see another aspect of this is that as God is laying out the details, He withholds certain things. And those things 
were fulfilled in Jesus. Remember when Jesus, when the people in the book of John said, Who are you? And he's laying out the case for his deity. And he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And they said to Jesus, You're not even 50 years old and you know our father Abraham? And he says this, Before Abraham was, I am. That's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Because Jesus just lays it right out there. The whole book of John is the people asking Jesus who He is. Then He tells them who He is. Then they get mad at Him for saying who He is. Then they ask Him who He is again. And He tells them and they get mad at Him. See, when you encounter Jesus, you have to make a decision. Either you will trust Him for who He says He is, or you will reject Him. There's no fence. So, a question as we continue on is, where are you? Which side of the fence are you on? Effie March enumerated some of God's blessings to us. And I thought it was fitting as we think about the material blessings that He gave to Abram. But these are some of the spiritual blessings an acceptance that can never be questioned, Ephesians 1.6. An inheritance that can never be lost, 1 Peter 3, or 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. A deliverance that can never be excelled, 2 Corinthians 1.10. A grace that can never be limited, 2 Corinthians 12.9. A hope that cannot be disappointed, Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. A bounty that can never be withdrawn. For uh, Colossians 3.21-23 A joy that can never be diminished. John 15.11 A nearness to God that can never be reversed. Ephesians 2.13 A peace that can never be disturbed. John 14.27 A righteousness that can never be tarnished. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And a salvation that can never be canceled. Hebrews 5, verse 9. What a wonderful salvation that we have. As Brian alluded to in our breaking of bread, how foolish we would be to neglect so great a salvation. Okay, so now we've seen this high point. Abram has gone from his kindred. He's following God. God gives him a little more detail and says, I'm going to give you this land. And Abraham has the right response. He builds an altar to the Lord. But then, he goes and settles in Egypt during a time of famine. And we see how the influences of the world can affect even strong Christians. And here's what it says about Abram. So then it came to pass 
that when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. So I pray thee, so I pray thee, say I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake and for my soul, that my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that Abram was come into Egypt, that the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her, and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and he entreated, Ab and he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and asses and manservants and maidservants and she-asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called and said unto Abram, What is this that thou hast done to me? Why didst thou not tell me thou why didst not tell me that, that she was thy wife? Why sayest thou she is my sister? I might have taken her to me to wife. Um, now therefore behold thy wife take her and go thy way and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had now for this final point to backtrack a little bit remember that God said that all the nations of the world would be blessed through Abraham's seed okay so we know that God was planning to keep Sarai alive. Because he had promised Abram, through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But how quickly we forget the promises of God. And Abram gets to Egypt, and he doesn't want to be killed, because his wife is fair to look upon, so he says, say you're my sister. We read in another passage that she was indeed his half-sister, but a half-truth is a whole lie. And you would think that this would be an opportunity for God to abandon Abram and say, you didn't do it my way, you're out. But the grace and mercy of God is such that he is patient toward us. And instead of grossly punishing Abram and sending him away and taking away his blessing, he plagues the house of Pharaoh with great plagues. There's another place, I believe, where he lies the second time and the whole king's house is plagued with barrenness because of this lie that Abram told. So, our actions affect others. And, uh, he says, she's my sister. And so the Pharaoh hears about her, he sees that she's fair, so he takes her into his household. And God plagues his household, and then he finds out that she is Abram's wife.
And then he sends them away in all that he has. It's easy to ridicule Abram and say, well, he didn't trust God. Even though God had just told him, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you this land, he didn't trust God. But how often is that us? How often does God try to say to us, trust me, I have a plan for you. And we try to jump out ahead of him or work his plan through our power. And it it fails. It doesn't work. And but God plagued Pharaoh in his house until Pharaoh let Sarai go. So I want to challenge you that when we do something, our actions do affect other people. We don't live in a bubble. I think sometimes we think, well, I can do this one thing and it's okay. But everything we do leads to other things that we do, whether good or evil. I have this story, and then we'll look at it cross reference, but this story says... Dr. Madison Seurat taught mathematics at Vanderbilt University for many years. Before giving a test, the professor would admonish his class with something like this. Today I am giving you two examinations, one in trigonometry and the other in honesty. I hope you will pass them both. If you must fail one, fail trigonometry. For there are many good people in the world who can't pass trig, but there are no good people in the world who cannot pass the examination of honesty. There's a lot of emphasis today on on academics. A lot of competition in the workplace. But noble character is worth more than any degree. You'll find that if you trust God and put him first, he will give you understanding in academics. When I graduated from high school, I uh, was giving a half-hearted effort. And I was, I was passing. Um, and some people would probably say that I was getting good grades. But I knew I wasn't giving my all. And so when I went into college, I said, God, if you will be with me, I will give my all in my college studies. And my grades went up in a major way. Now, would, would, would he have still been with me if they didn't? Yes. But the fact of the matter is, God does want us to succeed in this world, but not at the expense of the gospel, for the furtherance of the gospel. So, my encouragement to you is to remember this story of Abram, and remember that God has a plan, and if He leads you to it, 
He will lead you through it. That's become a cliche, but it's also a truth. A truth that I have seen in my life. And I know some of you can give testimony of that. So, can somebody look up Psalm 146, 3 to 5? 146, 3 to 5. Just uh, another verse that reminds us of God's working. Do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot say when their spirits, spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he who, whose help is in, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And so we see here that we're not supposed to put confidence in men. And doesn't this feel like it's ripped from today's headlines? Every time you think you know somebody, whether it be somebody in the public eye or just somebody that's in your circle of friends, things happen. And you realize that you didn't know as much as you thought you knew. And at least for me, there's a certain measure of guilt there because I feel like I should have known more, that I should have cared more, that I should have done more. And I know that I can't beat myself up over that. But what's the ultimate answer to that? The ultimate answer is to put our trust in the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't fail. The Lord is living forever. He's not just going to return to dust and be gone. And as we think about Abram, he, in a sense, put his trust in Pharaoh because he cared more about what Pharaoh thought in this particular instance than what God did. And we see what happened. I wonder if it went through his head, will I ever see my wife again? But the point is that even though Abram failed, he still was listed in this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Because see, God isn't looking for a perfect man. He's looking for a man who has yielded to the Holy Spirit and has been washed in the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Is that you? I hope and trust that it is. I hope and trust that if you were here this morning for the breaking of bread, that you remembered the Lord. That it was a personal thing. That when we, when, when we sang beneath the cross of Jesus, that you were personalizing it. Because there's a lot of people that can, that can tell you that Jesus died on the cross. 
But I can tell you that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Because I am evil. Because there is nothing good in my flesh. But that God gave me the best trade in ever when He took my sin and gave me His righteousness. And even if you are a believer today, maybe you have kind of gotten off track and you're, you're kind of wobbling in your faith. Let me encourage you. Abram was 75 years old when God called him to go. Most people today are counting the days until their retirement at 75 years old. But God says, no, Abram, I have things for you to do. So leave. And maybe God isn't asking you to physically leave where you are, but maybe He's asking you to leave certain things in your life. To leave certain influences in your life. It can be hard, I know. But God is faithful. As we go on through Abram's life, we will find that he is called a friend of God. And this wasn't accomplished through some great deed, but rather simply through taking God at His word. The Bible says that Abram believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. So today, in the quietness of this room, I ask you to consider for yourself, as will I, are we believing God? I'll tell you, after the week that transpired this past week and some of the stuff that has been happening lately it's a little hard but God never said that we wouldn't struggle matter of fact he said in this world you will have tribulation you will have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. Will you join him and be an overcomer? I hope and pray that you will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this example of Abraham. We thank you that you called him and that he went. You called him and he was faithful. You called him and when he stumbled, you didn't leave him. But you continued to bless him. We thank you that you've used these men despite their frailties and despite their imperfections. And we realize today 
hear that grace and truth and that we are such men and women. We are not perfect, but many of us are redeemed and forgiven. And we ask that you would use us and teach us and grow us in the ways that you would have us to do. I ask that you would bless each and every person in this room, both today and throughout the coming week. In Jesus' name, the risen Savior. Amen. Amen.